Hey, we're, hey, we're back. It's another episode of Conversations About God. Uh, this is Casey Stagg. This is Ryan McKenzie. Dave Bowden's not with us today because um, we took a poll. Um, we were looking at our um, domestic and international viewership. And um, I'm not kidding, not kidding. The episodes that he's on plummets internationally. <laughs> um, Romania, Brazil, they don't like Dave Bowden. Yeah. I mean, I, that's just me guessing, but um, I think it's an educated well, guess. And we want to give the people what they want. we got to give the people what they want, and they want more of Casey Stagg, so <laughs> he's back. No um, pressure. And we're ready to roll. So uh, real quick before we start, a lot of people are watching these on YouTube, on Facebook, so if you are um, listening to on a podcast, that's great. You can flip over and actually watch us talk to each other, because, I mean, who doesn't want to watch two guys talk to each other? <laughs> um, but if you're on YouTube or Facebook right now, what would be really helpful is you flip over to your favorite podcasting app, whether it's Apple or Google or Spotify, and um, rate and review. If you review it, you don't have to subscribe. I don't. That's fine. Don't don't subscribe if you don't want to. You can if you want, but review it. You know, write something down like Ryan thinks he's just so funny. Um, Dave thinks he knows everything. You know, um, Casey's so just there. He's there. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Whatever you want to write about us, write about us. But give us some some reviews and some ratings there. Five star it all the way up, and um, that would help us spread this thing around a little bit more. So today, you're going to review it. And then today, we're talking about faith a little bit more. Um, we had a really cool um, conversation about it, even earlier today. And then the sermon from Sunday at Northwest Church. If you want to go check out Northwest Orlando on all the social media sites, Northwest Orlando, you can find Pastor Mark's latest sermon on having big faith. And it's, um, it's really powerful, really neat stuff. And we got to the point how faithful God is, even when we aren't, right. like even when we mess it up. So, um, Casey, I want to start with that, really. Just um, one of the smaller questions was, where has God been faithful? Um, like, where, or really, where have you chosen something else besides God? Sure. Instead, like, you've chosen the, not to go with his plan, even, like, even something we know he's faithful. Right. But we still screw it up, you know? Yeah. Like, it's a tough question. It's right. like a tough thought. Yeah, and I have two thoughts. One being before I was a believer and then one right. while being a believer. And, you know, b- before becoming a believer, I knew about God. I knew kind of a little bit about the Bible and, and what he thought about me. But I was still wanting to act out my own will, act out my own life. And I think the thing that I was chasing the most was just acceptance by others, right? And doing whatever, you know, I was middle school, high school, early in high school. And we were talking to high schoolers a couple of weeks ago, and it just seems like that is the most important thing for a, for a kid these days is just to feel accepted feel like they're a part of the, the, the group that everyone accepts. And yeah. a lot of times you're willing to take that very far, you know, and thankfully I didn't get too far, but I knew at the core, that's what I wanted. And the, the irony of the whole thing is, God accepts me, right, and loves me and has adopted me into his family, that trumps anything that any human could ever provide for me. And that was the thing I was searching for. And the obvious thing was, hey, God is right here waiting for you. And me stumbling around in my life, I'm looking for adults or other, you know, classmates to give that thing that ultimately God can only give me in my life. And it's 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 crazy to think that it was so obvious and then it took years of me stumbling around to realize even if I do quote achieve this from other other humans it's always going to fall short compared to what what God thinks of me and how he accepts me. So yeah. that was definitely me 
failing and stumbling around and God just waiting on me. That's cool. Uh, and that's something that's like a paradox, I think, when we were talking to those, those guys the other day. The, um, it's like you so want to belong, but you at the same exact time, you so want to stand out right. for the good stuff, right? So like there's like this weird like fight within us to be like, I want to be a part of the group, but I also want to be known for some. I don't want to just be a nobody, you sure. know. Like I want to be somebody, but I want to be a part of everybody. Yeah. And I don't like that. Will constantly, at least in my life, it constantly has gone wanting. Like I just can't find it except in Christ, right? Because He calls us to something that is specifically for us, mm-hmm. but He's also we're a part of something that like is bigger than us, and that we could never have without Him. And, like right. I, I just think our friendship going back, like. I never would have been friends with you except through the church and through Jesus. Right. Not that I don't think you're a great guy, but like when we met, I was in college and yeah. you were in high school, right? Like, yeah. I, and we hung out, we started hanging out like every week. Like right. it was just, it turns out like, like what, not that I'm, I'm going to say this and it sounds like I'm being arrogant, but what college baseball player wants to hang out with a high school kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I'm like, I really thoroughly enjoyed hanging out with you because we had this amazing... I never would have known how much we actually had in common if it wasn't for having Christ in common and having what he wanted for us in common. That's really cool. Right, and that thing ultimately being the biggest thing you could build any friendship on or any relationship on. Yeah, that's exciting. That's really cool. So then looking at... As a believer now, we still want, there's something in us that still wants to pave our own path or or be our own God, whatever it may be. So I know I've done things where it's something that I've just wanted to do, you know, whether it was a dream or or just something fun. And I didn't necessarily consult God on it. I'm just like, well, this is something I want to do. It's not going to hurt anyone. It's not sin necessarily, but it's also not something that I'm bringing to him and saying, all right, God, is this what I should do in my life? I just have the thought of, well, I have the time, I have the resources, whatever it may be, I'm, I'm just going to do it. So that still is as sinful as me before I was a Christian, you know, and, and not, not following his will and still wanting, wanting to follow my own. So I think that's where I've been faithless, but God has yet not changed and he's still faithful even when I have made those mistakes and I come back through repentance, which we'll, we'll get into a little bit later, but, um, you know, he still is faithful. It's not like my whole plan is thrown out the window because I chose to do something out of my own will or out of what I want to mm. do. He, the plan is still there, right? He's still there waiting for me uh, to, to repent and come back and, and yeah. you know, go I from mean, there. I know we could, I think it's the danger is to fall into as a Christian to say like, well, before I was a Christian, here's how I didn't follow God. Right. <clears throat> now that I'm a Christian, here's how I always follow God. Right. Yeah. And I think to your point, like screw up a lot. Yeah. And I, I think the, the 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 neat thing for me, um, I don't always get things right. If you guys know me, um, I mess up. Sorry, I've probably offended you or messed up or done something to hurt your feelings. I just I I don't mean to. I just end up doing it. And um, I, talking to my wife, I know that is the one thing she has said she, she likes about me the most is my willing not that I screw up a ton but but my willingness to admit when I'm wrong I think that's been the faithful part of God coming through is like constantly showing me that I'm wrong and not not letting me live it out 
as far as I can tell so far, not letting me live it out too long right. and coming back and, and convicting me of like, hey, that's not okay. You need to apologize for that. Or this is not okay. You need to change it. Change the way you think. And I'll tell you, this is like a really, I don't know if you're a dad or a mom, maybe you'll, you'll get this. Um, but when you, I don't know how to say this exactly. So my dad was a football coach and a weightlifting coach. And I remember going to school with him and um, on like bring your kid to work day when I was in like middle school and he's he in the weight room in a high school weight room, West Orange, West Orange High School. And um, he's- Go Warriors. Go Warriors, right? Um, when um, I did not go there. Neither <laughs> did you. My wife did. Kim, there you go. Shout out to Kim Stag. Yeah. But I remember going there and kids saying, hold on, hey, like whispering like Coach McKenzie, Coach McKenzie's your dad? I was like, yeah. yeah. He's like, does does he beat you? <laughs> like, no, my dad's awesome. What do you mean? But like, my dad had a temper, and he would get angry. I remember him and my brother having just knockdown, drag out fights where like you just could. And I remember just like tension in the house and anger and just frustration happening. And I felt that come up in me where I'm like, man, I feel like that's something my dad would have done. I don't want that anymore. And I'm like rejecting him completely because I don't want to be like that man. Mm-hmm. And I feel like God had to say, no, your dad had redeeming qualities and I made you like him, but there's some parts of him that were sinful and I don't want you to be like him, right? right. And so to take it down another level is now I have kids and people ask, Caden, does your dad be <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> But to see the same thing I've struggled with at times where I can be quick to judge or quick to lose my temper and, and that God is constantly working on that. But like to see it come out in my son or to see it come out of my daughters, I'm just like, Oh, thank you God for showing me that because right. I need to change again. Like I need to change the way I think about that again. I need to constantly be looking at myself through his lens and not mm-hmm. just, well, I feel pretty good. Life is great right. and I get what I want, but like, am I doing what he wants? Right. And that's hard sometimes because like my flesh is just like, that's what I want to have happen. Why is it not the way I want it? And like, God's like, no, it's not what you want. It's what I want. Right. And you need to change. Yeah. And that leads to me needing to repent. Right. Right. So repent is a big, scary word. Yeah. Like we hear it a lot in the Bible, like repent. The kingdom of God is coming with, um, the, um, John the Baptist. Jesus said repent a ton. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a, there's a, a connotation with repent that it's just like you're bad and you need to change and it's yeah. this is your only evil people need to do this like right. talk to me about this yeah moment. so I, I think it's easy for that word to to get misconstrued and it seem like it's all within our power right just us making a change in our behavior like i am watching porn and i'm gonna stop watching porn and that's that's it now that's part of it by by all means but that can't be all of it so it definitely plays itself out in an act being different, you know, where you've, you were doing something, but now you're not doing it, but it's, how did we get there? What, what's mm-hmm. the, what's the root of that? And we were talking a little bit before, I think a couple things take place. I was, we were at a conference a couple of years ago and, and someone was talking about behavior changes and yeah. how two things need to happen before behavior actually ends up changing. And she, get, she said, you belong, you believe, then you behave. So I think as... Um, Can I say that again? So you, you, you belong, 
you believe, and then you behave. Where I think a lot of times we want to th- throw behavior at the front of that line, right? And then those things will work themselves out. But if someone doesn't know they belong to God, right, or or um, a part of the faith, or they don't... Or they feel like they even just belong to you right. in your life. Exactly, like, yeah. right. And I think uh, an obvious way to look at it is kids, right? Raising kids and... Yeah. I'm sure the constant struggle is parents wanting their kids' behavior to change. Right. But if they don't know you love them and they have a spot at the table and they belong to the family, they're a part of the family, it's going to be a lot harder. You mm-hmm. can speak to this better than me. A lot harder for that behavior to change, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like the first thing that has to be established. And then the belief, right, what what we believe in our heart, that Christ did die for me on the cross, that he did shed his blood so that I could be adopted as a son, as a co-heir with Christ— and then behavior comes out of that. And if those get misconstrued, then the behavior may change for a little bit, but it's not something that's going to last. Yeah. But if you are secure in the, in the thought that you belong and you believe what, what Christ has done for us on the cross, then the chance, the likelihood of our behavior changing long term and true repentance taking place is much greater because yeah. it's, not, it's not in our strength at that point. It's not our flesh just trying to make a decision. Granted, there are, that's a part of it. Like we do have responsibility in this where if we are doing something, we have to put disciplines in our life to to be better at self-control, have accountability in our lives if we have a specific sin that we're struggling with. Um, But those two things have to take place before that behavior. Yeah, so I think this is a really neat thing to talk about here because it's something that our culture and our world really desires right now they want behavior change um i don't think they want behavior change we just really want the right behavior when we want it you know so Mm -hmm. you can see like a cancel culture um whatever side of the political aisle you're on it's like well that person did this 10 years ago or that person did this last week or they said this in a joke and i didn't think it was funny and we want to cancel people and just say you're done with it. You're out of my life. You're done. And it's so easy to, to for our parents, not even celebrities. Just my parents said this and it offended me. My kids are doing this and I don't agree with it. My, like, if we can't go back to allowing people the chance to actually change, mm-hmm. if we don't, like God allows us to change. He's faithful in that. Like some of our biggest flaws, I think, is when we we don't allow others the same grace and we don't allow right. them. Now I'm not saying that everything is okay sure. like that you can just treat me however you want to and you can beat me and lie to me and everything i'm just still going to keep doing treat, acting the same way but at the heart of it if we don't believe that someone should have a second chance or a third chance or how many chances did you get right and now you don't want to give them one you know you don't want to give them two you don't want to give them this well you're or you're counting the chances you give them sure. yeah. your heart is not for them to be able to repent and have a new life your heart is to beat them rather than see them succeed right. you know so if we don't want to see others succeed um then we're going to be counting the times they fail well you messed up three times so you're done right. rather than how can i help them get through this or right. how can i help them belong how can i help them believe rather than they better behave or they're out of my life right and we yeah. see that we see that in scripture too uh, romans talks about in romans 5 it says while we were still sinners yeah. christ died for us so he didn't say all right ryan do a b and c and then i'll go to the cross and die for your sins right he while we were in the midst of our sins while we were stumbling along and trying to figure it out christ didn't wait for us to to get it all put together what we think is all put together before he went to the cross and i i think you hit it on the head where we we sometimes forget how 
how much crap we did and how how long it may have taken us for us to to surrender our life and then we don't have that same grace and that same mercy for someone and i so i think it's always good to remember the bible's always saying remember or you've forgotten you've neglected this right it's always good for us to remember man we were so far gone and we were so so sinful and christ still went to the cross for us so if that is always on the tip of our tongues, like in conversation, or it's something that we're pondering or, or yeah. thinking about, then when we do interact with those people who are, up, are a long way off, and it's affecting our lives in a negative way because of their sin or because of how they're stumbling along, if we remember the grace that God poured out on us, man, we should have that same grace and that same more mercy That's pouring good. out on them. I think um, the verse that popped in my head as you were talking about that in... Um... Yeah, the disciples are talking to Jesus and he's like, one of them says, well, how many times should we forgive? Mm-hmm. Seven times? He's like, no, 70 times seven. And basically calling them out saying, why are you counting? Right. Like, why Why do you need to know? Well, they messed up this many times. I need to forgive only this many. How many times right. should I have to forgive this person? Mm-hmm. And say our heart should be redemption, not just crushing them, not right. just counting how, counting how many times they've screwed up or they've failed us, but... Is your heart toward mercy? Is your heart toward redemption? Is your do you want reconciliation rather than right. um, someone to just be rejected? Right. right. And so that's that's a huge tell for me when I start to count like, well, they've done this and this and this. Sure, you can't maybe when you're running a business and there, and stuff like that. Maybe you need to know like, or even just in your everyday life, like there, there's a practical side of it. Like if Casey lies to me over and over again. Maybe I don't ask him for stuff as much anymore, but yeah. I still want to see him restored. I want him sure. not to be a liar, right? If if someone cheats on you over and over again, maybe you break that relationship off or somebody's actually physically hurting you, then, yeah, you don't go around them, but you, is our heart still to see them restored back right. to God? Or is it, I hope they get what's coming to them because right. if that's the standard and we just hope everybody gets what's coming to them, then I'm going to be the first in line to get something that's coming to me and I don't want that because it's going to be bad. Right. right. Like that's, that's yeah. no good. Yeah. Man, where are we going from here? So on that topic, I mean, we've screwed up tons of times. We're constantly screwing up. And when we read the story of Abram in, in Genesis, it's awesome to see him constantly screwing up, right? Well, I think that's like a huge like negative thing about the Bible is people will say, well, sure, I love Jesus, but the Old Testament, there's all kinds of awful stuff that happens. Like there's slavery, there's racism, there's uh, multiple wives, there's there's murder, there's war. Like how am I supposed to believe that? Right. And most of the time, that stuff is not God's will. And it's people that are like a story right. of screwing up, not a um, like a prescription of how you should live your life. Right. right? So Abram's right. a really great example of that. Yeah, so... As Pastor Mark was going through his sermon, he's, you know, listing off all the different things. And there were many more, but he just had five where he clearly, you know, dishonored his wife. He dishonored God. But yet everything was birthed through Abraham at that at that point. Right. Everything came out of that through that Mm -hmm. blessing, that Abrahamic blessing. Um, So sitting back on Sunday and then correlating it with how we interact with people that are screwed up and a long way off. It's like God still has a plan for them. Right. Mm -hmm. We can't just look at their life and say, man. They're, they're too far gone. If you look at the Bible, it's the exact opposite. God is constantly using those people that are outcasts, that are, um, you know, no one likes, whether, you know, they were tax collectors, they had, um, you know, deficiencies, whatever it may be. God was constantly using those people um, 
in, in scripture. So we saw that saw that on Sunday, looking at Abraham's life. Um, yeah. So that's good. So I, there's a there's a verse we can we can maybe read it here and talk about it because I think that's huge to realize that. Um, God doesn't just use the perfect people, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't just use the um, the ones that look the best, the ones that sound the best, the ones that um, that have it all together. But He's constantly using people that are willing to say, "Okay, I need you, right. like God, I need you. I know I can't do this on my own. I need you." And He, He, the ones that are humble, the ones that are broken, the ones that He breaks, the ones that He humbles, are the ones that He's constantly using. The ones that everyone else thinks, not that guy, not that girl, you right. know, like. Surely not them. Nothing, nothing good can come from Nazareth, right? That's what they right. said about Jesus. Like, how, why would God pick that place? Why would God pick that person? Um, now, he can use anybody from anywhere, but it's usually the person who's, if we're honest, I think this is a, a great point. Some people say, well, my parents are pretty great, and I came from a really well-to-do town, and I've got a good education. Well, that's not saying he can't use you. But if that's all you think about yourself, right. then you're you're missing the point. Like that, every one of us is broken, and every one of us has something about us that we don't want somebody to know, right. or that we've screwed we've screwed up ourselves. And then he wants to use that part of us, not that we have to be the worst person ever, sure. or that we have to. We, you know, yeah, don't start use... making bad decisions so God will use you. Like that's not <laughs> what we're saying. But... Or feel like oh, I've grown up a Christian and I haven't made all the mistakes that Ryan has made. Like. What, how am I supposed to be used? Like, it's not fair. Like, well, I'm sure there's something that you can repent of too. And you can get, God can use that brokenness to do something new. Like that's exciting. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to is us realizing we're broken and we need a savior. That's when God's saying, yep, I'm going to use you for whatever it may be. Whether you grew up in church or whether you've never even considered God before, He's looking for the right heart. He's looking for the person, the humble heart, the person that is willing to say, all right, God, whatever you ask me to do, use me, right? And um, it just comes down to that. It doesn't necessarily matter what your upbringing is or what you've been through, but as long as you're willing to say, God, I surrender, I give it all to you, use me in any way you can. So we want to look at Abraham's life a little bit, something yeah. specific there. So reading in, in uh, Genesis 15, it was the verse that Pastor Mark put up um, to, to discuss our small group questions. And uh, you want to tee up the, the scripture a little bit with some context? Uh, we're reading uh, eight, uh, 15.8 there? Or 15? Yeah. So this is a really neat verse to me. So um, Pastor Mark talked through, I think, the first part of chapter 15 and how God's promising Abraham some stuff. And Abraham's like, how is that possible? I don't have a kid. This is not like... Like, it's obvious that Abraham doesn't deserve God's blessing. And then the first part of this verse is God coming to Abraham and promising his blessing. So it sounds crazy because it's not how we do things now. But let's read it and then we can figure out what it means. Sure. So starting in verse 8, he said, But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer, three years old. Uh, Heifer. Heifer? Heifer. Heifer. Whatever a heifer is. Google what a heifer is. Some sort of animal. Three years old. A turtle dove and a young pigeon. I think it's a cow. It's a cow. Oh, he said a ram. Three years old. A turtle dove and a young pigeon. He brought them all of these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the bird of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. All right, so this sounds like a crazy man. Like... If I asked you for cows and birds and... Uh, Hi- heifers. Heifers. 
and you brought them to me and and then you just killed them and cut them in half and laid them off. like what the heck man like yeah. that's not what I asked for I asked for animals and you just killed all the animals I asked you for right. so Abraham's either insane which is probably not likely because God doesn't say hey what'd you do he, he like, continues on as we'll see but like this is like in that time this was like a contract so if we were like if I'm buying windows from Mansion Windows and Doors, sponsorship plug there, um, they, and they, they bring me the windows, and I'll sign and say, yes, I'll pay this much, you'll install them, we both sign the contract. Um, that's basically what's happening, right? Is like back then they'd say, this work or this promise is worth this amount or whatever they think. And they'd take an animal and they'd cut it in half and they'd walk through the middle of it. Right. And it was like a contract. So I would, if we're doing a, a window and door contract, instead of paper and pen, we'd cut a, a cow, a heifer in half, <laughs> and I would walk through it and say, hey, if I don't up and hold my end of the bargain and pay you the money, let my life be like this cow that's right. been cut in half. And if Casey would walk through and he said, if I don't bring you the windows and doors you need, let my life be cut in half like this like this uh, heifer that's on the ground. Right. Heifer, hefeweizen? Hefeweizen, the beer. Hefeweizen, the beer. Yeah. It's a beer. Yeah. Abraham brought God beer. Yeah. <laughs> So I'll, I'll uh, pick up back here at verse 12, and we'll just finish it with the chapter. But it says, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward... They shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your father, fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a, in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed through these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of Kenites, Kenizzites, the Kedmonites, the Hittites, the Pezzatites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. <laughs> Got a little tongue twister there at the end. Um, but to sum that yeah, up. Yeah, talk to me. Yeah, so it seemed like it was all bad right saying you're you're all the best that's gonna happen. yeah for for the next 400 years for generation after generation after generation and then something changed a, a a flaming torch passed between those pieces and then the lord made a new covenant with him saying the exact opposite of what he had just said a couple verses prior so talking about this before we 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 see this as foreshadowing right this is kind of a glimpse into something that yeah. god did 2000 years later so like the the one part of it is like God has proven himself faithful. Like he's saying like, hey, all this stuff's going to happen if you read on like to a T, whether it's a consequence of Abram's sin or whether it's just how things were going to play out anyway. I don't know. But all of it happened. So God's like, hey, look, I know what's going to happen. Right. And when that flaming pot of fire like goes between those pieces, Abram didn't walk through them with him. Right. Like it was just God going through that. Like that's a representation of the of the spirit right there. Like right. God is going through the, between those pieces. So he's basically saying, hey, if I don't hold up my end of the bargain, if this blessing doesn't fall on you, if multiplication doesn't come, if you don't have a son, if, you, if all this stuff I've promised you doesn't happen, like 
let it be, let me be like this, these, these, these carcasses that are laid out here. Like I'm, I'm promising this is going to happen. Right. And what's really neat, like a lot of scholars have said, since Abram didn't walk through, it's like God walks through it for both of them. Right. And he said, and if you don't hold up your end of the bargain, let me be like these carcasses that are strewn out here that are, that are hung up and cut open. Right. And that's like 2,000 years later, yeah. Jesus on the cross. It's right. like, we haven't held up our end of the bargain to God. And he let his life be strung out on a cross right. for us. Right. Which is like, it's really beautiful because I think the point earlier, just how, what's the, like the Old Testament versus the New Testament. Like, I like Jesus, but this Old Testament's weird. Like, there's constantly all kinds of things like that pointing to Jesus. Right. Because we can so easily live our life like, I gotta behave, I gotta behave. And when you think like that, when you live like that, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that feeling when things are going good. You ever have that? When things are going good, you just know it's about to screw up. Right. And you know, just I, I can't for keep the other this sh- up. Shoe to drop. Right? Yeah. Um, so if you live your life and repentance is just behaving the right way, right. then it's almost like this thought of like, well, I'll repent and I'll say I'm sorry and then I'll try to do good mm-hmm. rather than a change in belief and I'll repent and I'll start to believing that my God is faithful and I'll start to believe that he has good things for me. Right. Rather than I'm the one that has to do good, he's already done the good for me. Right. It's yeah. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing where we've we've got just like Abraham had coming to him, we had a, a judgment coming to us, right? And Jesus took took it for us. He took our sin um, through the cross of Christ and, and shed blood so that we wouldn't have to. He was the carcass that was split in half, yeah, right? Yeah. And it is just a beautiful thing that we can see how God always had that on his mind with how he interacted with people in the Old Testament, then the cross, but then even now, after the cross, post-cross, what do we have in our lives that God's yeah. saying, no, I'm, I'm going to take it. I'll take that sin. I'll take that, that, that beating. I'll shed my blood so that that can be covered. And it's just such a beautiful thing to show the power of the cross. And it takes us believing in that putting our faith, like we were talking about last week, putting our trust in that, that really every single thing in our life is covered uh, by the by the blood of Christ and that we can be redeemed and adopted as sons and co-heirs with Christ. It's That's a beautiful cool. thing. That's really cool. There's one thought um, from this old uh, Chinese preacher, Watchman Nee, um, about repentance. It says, uh, repentance means a change of mind. So he gave some examples here. Formerly I thought sin a pleasant thing, but now I've changed my mind about it. Formerly, I thought the world an attractive place, but now I know better. Formerly, I regarded it as a, a miserable business to be a Christian, but now I think differently. Once I thought certain things delightful, now I think them vile. Once I thought other things utterly worthless, now I think them most precious. That is a change of mind. That is repentance. No life can truly be changed apart from such a change of mind. So I love that. Once we know that God's done that for us, the next step is... Do I believe it? Am I going to have the faith right. to believe that he's got that for me? And that, I mean, that's, I was talking to somebody about this last night, actually. That's like my, I remember on one Friday night at a worship night, just like being like, what am I doing here? This is crazy. And I loved it. Mm. And I was like, I'd normally be out with my friends. I'd normally be out doing something else or watching TV or doing just something else. And I was at church on a Friday night, like worshiping God. I'm just like, I, it was just, like out of body experience where I was just like watching myself just like this is crazy like what am I doing right now I never thought that I would like this and God changed my mind about it Um, 
That's really, that's really cool stuff. So I guess our challenge this week, guys, um, to go right along with Pastor Mark is where does your mind need to be changed? Yeah. Um, where is Where have you lost faithfulness with God? And he still remained faithful. So we need to, instead of just waiting for the bad stuff to happen, where are we going to put our faith in the God who has already done the good stuff for us? Yeah. Um, and have true repentance. That's yep. pretty cool. And talk about it. If you attend a small group. Find a hyphen, bring it to my house. <laughs> I want to cook it up. Yeah. Talk about it in a small group. Um, also, we've been saying screwed up a lot in this. What's your favorite kind of screw? Phillips like, head. Phillips head? <laughs> Why do flatheads exist? Um, is, that, is that like anybody? Okay, well, maybe next week we'll talk about flathead screwdrivers. <laughs> um, if you're on a podcast or if you're on YouTube or Facebook, flip over to a podcast uh, app and review this thing. Give us some stars. Just all the way up, all the stars. Just click them. Click all five of them. And then um, don't click all five of them. Just click the fifth one. Because if you click one, we're going to get one star. <laughs> and that's not cool, man. And then write a review. Tell us something you like about the podcast. And if you have questions or you disagree with us, email me. Email Casey. Um, just Ryan at Northwest Orlando. If you want us to answer some of your questions or you have thoughts about this podcast you'd like to see us do. If you have advice for us on how we can do this better, maybe this is not the best place to do it. Maybe we should do it something else. We need your help. Help us. All right, we're done, I think. Cool. See you guys. See you guys.